In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. We're happy you're spending some time with us, Chip and Zay, here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Don't forget the CODA text line, 512-222-9328. Zay is always monitoring the CODA text line, making sure that uh, your voices are heard. This is the show of the people. So come on in, folks. If you're just discovering us, like my man Chase, hopefully he's listening. I gave him the app today. There we go. Chase, welcome into the Texas Sports Unfiltered family. Our man CB is in the house. Greatest volunteer producer in the history of radio. Zay, how you doing, my man? I'm good, man. Shout out to the Rangers. Big time win in the Game 7. My guy, Dusty Baker. 0-3 in Game 7s. Not too good, man. Not too good. How about, how about BK? How happy is BK? Because BK and I were down doing a Z Tejas uh, special event. And Rangers had a big lead. And then they coughed it up. Jose Altuve hits a home run late. And he's like, this is what the Rangers do, man. This is what the Rangers do. Rangers cough up leads. They choke. They go down 3-2, going to Houston. And now look at BK. Smiling, happy. Rangers jumped all over Javier and just put that one away. Yeah. Kyle Tucker disappeared. Mm. You say Kyle Tucker to Astros fans, and they're like, <laughs> they don't know what happened to that dude. Yeah, he had a tough p- uh, postseason, man. Man, Real tough. happens. Yeah, it happens to the best of them, man. Garcia, that dude. Oh. Wow. That <laughs> right? That dude put on a performance for the ages, man. Just home runs, the bat flips, the taking his time to first base, and sometimes mucking up. And, you know, looking over that left side of the field, like, is it gone? Is it gone? Oh, shit, it ain't. And he has to take off. Like, that's a cocky SOB that's going to be an Astros fan's nightmares for years to come. But like you said, man, that's just how it goes sometimes. That's the game in October. I mean, our man Lance Taylor who is our SEC insider and prognosticator, Lance'sLock.com. He told us two weeks ago, three weeks ago, it was going to be Rangers-Phillies. Now, we'll see if the Phillies can get through. Those Diamondbacks scrappy, man. They're scrappy. <laughs> the scrappy team. They're hanging in there. Yeah, back no. to back. Game sevens. Game sevens. Come on, man. Did you watch some of that, or were you watching uh, the Minnesota Vikings take down the 49ers? I was going back and forth. I was going back and forth. You know, you're, hey, Brock Purdy showing us what he showed us during those Iowa State games. We were wondering, is it there? Is it still there? Yeah, it is. That guy, he's still in there somewhere, and now that you have a lot of film on you, Brock Purdy. Teams are starting to figure things out. Now, given you're without your all-world, you know, Oklahoma along offensive tackle Trent Williams, you're without Debo Samuel, all-pro. So I'll give you that. When other teams lose those type of magnitude-type players, 
quarterbacks usually struggle. So Brock Purdy, I'll give you that. But you still have Christian McCaffrey. You still have George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. He ain't no scrub. And Brock Purdy, Kirk Cousins outplayed them last night. Point blank period, which Kirk Cousins, got to throw this out for him. He's missing this all-world wide receiver in Justin Jefferson. And he's still throwing for 360 yards. Jordan Addison, the guy that should have came to Texas, went over there and played with Lincoln Riley instead. And obviously it worked out. The dude was still a first-round pick. Uh, you want to say he was the top receiver in the nation when he was coming from Pitt. But yeah, yeah, yeah Cough Award winner. Like that dude showing that he obviously belongs. And yeah, that those Minnesota Vikings, a team that was in the playoffs last year, 49ers now back to back losses. That's that's the NFL, but it's also very strange that the 49ers, you know, with how good that they started the season, the defense, the way it got gutted. Yeah, the NFL back to being wide open. Especially with your Lions. I can't talk good about your Lions right now. Damn. Hey. It's <laughs> it's it's a it's a week week to week league, baby. Right. Uh what up, Sal in Gotham? What up, Sal, man? Oh, He's some good people for me today. Jordan Addison had the craziest highlight last night. It looked like um San Francisco had an interception. He ripped it. They were like twirling each other in circles. Yeah, and Addison ends up ripping the ball out and getting twirled right toward the end zone at the same time, and he was off to the races. The other, the 49er defender, felt like he was playing the dizzy bat game. Yeah, Travarius Ward. Travarius <laughs> Ward, number seven. Yeah, and he's solid too. He ain't no punk. No, he ain't no punk. That was that was a man's play by Jordan Addison. Well, ironically, Traverius Ward, his first interception, which came like one of the first drives of the game in the first quarter, it was like kind of a scrap where he had to steal it from yeah. the wide receiver. So Jordan Addison said after the game, yo, I ain't letting him do that again. I don't remember if it was with Jordan Addison that first part, but yeah, Jordan Addison, that dude could ball. And I'm still salty that it was between Texas and USC last year before he went to play for Lincoln Riley, which... I mean, Caleb Williams was a Heisman, so the dude obviously didn't make the wrong decision. But damn, like that would have been a good gift for Sark, especially with how last year looked. Yeah, Brennan Marion was Jordan Addison's receivers coach at Pitt. He, of course, was at Texas. So Addison was considering Texas. He came on a visit and then decided you know what? I'm going to roll with Lincoln Riley. <sighs> and helped Caleb Williams win a Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Now, yeah. he's getting ready to yeah. bank. Eventually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he made the right decision. That 2022 Texas team, Jordan Addison, you wouldn't have been a first-round pick. You might have just off straight potential, but he had a bad combine, too. His combine was weird. He did not do well in a lot of those drills that a lot of people thought he was going to do well in. I don't think he ran the 40 like what everybody thought. So, you know, Bucky Gobble always says there's a difference between 40 speed and when you put on those pads, that football speed. And certain guys, they look at those, the combines, the underwear Olympics, and they get fascinated with that. And they forget what the guy did on tape at Pitt 
yes, Kirby, you know, what's my man's name? Uh, Kenny Pickett. I was about to say Kirby Puckett. I'm thinking baseball. Kenny Pickett, that dude was a solid quarterback his last year at Pitt, obviously starting the NFL now, but it's still. How would you do in the underwear Olympics, Zay? I struggle. I struggle. I struggle. Yeah, my benching, horrible. 40 time in the sixes, probably. Yeah, it wouldn't be good. My vertical, you remember I told you it was 29 a couple of weeks ago. It's gone down since then. So, yeah. I wouldn't get the invite. That's how bad I would be. I would have to wait to pro day at whatever school I come from. I went to Houston, Tennessee. They don't even have a football team. So, yeah, I wouldn't get the invite, man. I, it'd be all pro day stuff for me just because, nah, not the best combine guy. Now, if we, if you and I were to do some Olympics, like, you'd probably win basketball. Who'd win, ping, who'd win ping pong? I'd give you the advantage just with your tennis background. I'd give you advantage. You probably know some deep angle shit that I don't even, you know. Are you a ping pong player? Nah, I, I, I play every once in a while, but nah, I'm I'm not the best, man. Again, you, like a, you cornhole? You play cornhole? See, I'll, I'm with some cornhole. That's okay. the darts not coming out. Yeah, darts. I could do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to come up with something during the summer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, anything where I don't have to run much, good. Sign me up. Okay. All right. Yeah. By the way, you never talked about how you did in the tennis match last week. How'd that go? It was good. I'm playing again tomorrow night. Okay. I won. I won last week. And Friday, I play in the semifinals of the club championship in the men's doubles. So you feeling the pressure? You know your opponent. You've been scouting. You know because I I could be your uh, John Hardball. You know what I'm saying. Just let me know where homie's at. I get the camcorder. We're filming the workouts. We're filming what he likes to do, what he likes to work on, and I'm gonna like bring it. it back to you like oh boy, so you can have the advantage. Because I I don't know if y'all have any rules like NCAA, but that's clean in my book. So let me know, man. Let me know okay. what you need because we're a team. Okay. You win, I win. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Let me like get my that. hardball on, find out where he practices, what he does. If he jogs around the neighborhood, I can slowly follow him on some creep shit just because we the upper hand. That's what matters. Michigan, number one team in the nation. The upper hand. That's all that matters. Bill Belichick, all those rings, the flake gate, spy gate. You know what I'm saying? All those rings. But we still consider him the greatest. You got to sometimes take it to another level, man. Red Arback with the Boston Celtics. He used to tell Pat Riley when they came to Boston to practice and stuff, he would send them to gyms all the way out in Foxborough and stuff, and the Dolby locked. You know what I'm saying? And he's an absolute snake. But, hey, maybe consider the greatest coach of all time with all those rings with Bill Russell. Sometimes, oh, yeah. in order to be the greatest, you got to do a little bit of extra. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I mean, this whole thing, and we'll talk about it. We got Chris Hummer coming on at 1.30 talking National College football. Hummer. I want to get his take. It's amazing how this comes up, right, as Michigan is establishing itself as the number one team in the nation. Oh, isn't that beautiful? I love it. And we'll uh, we'll get Hummer's take on it. But, Zay, I'm, I woke up today 
I'm looking at BYU. I'm studying them. I'm watching some film. And it's amazing how the teams in the Big 12 can look so good one week and so bad the next. That's crazy. Because TCU beat the brakes off of BYU 44 to 11 and then went to K-State and got beat 41 to 3. (laughs) And I'm telling you, BYU, they... Caden Slovis, you got to get pressure on this guy because he's got big receivers, big pass catchers. His tight end is 6'6 and is the second leading receiver on the team. And their wideouts are 6'4, 6'3, 6'5. So they are big. Like Ryan Watts couldn't come back at a better time because, I mean, BYU, they're not going to run away from you, but they're good possession guys. And Keaton Slovis, he doesn't have a great completion percentage at all. Like it's 56.6%, but he's got 12 touchdowns, four interceptions. And when he gets hot, like he did against Arkansas, they're good. You know, like, and you just know that BYU is going to play their best game Saturday at 2.30 because for whatever the bleeping reason is, BYU plays Texas and it becomes their Super Bowl. And like I said, BYU leads this series 4-1. to one. Twice they played in the 80s, the David McWilliams era. And hell, Sark might have been playing in at that time or just oh. after. I need to go back and look at the stats. But then they played, obviously, they did a two for one in 2011, 13, and 14. And 2011 was the game where Garrett Gilbert, that was his last game. And he got hurt and he shut it down and he took 22 hours and got the F out of. Texas after that it was it was the end of the Garrett Gilbert era and that was the one game that Texas won 17 to 16 and the other two were beatdowns the Manny Diaz massacre and the Charlie Strong um, both both orchestrated by Taysom Hill of course but um, I just have I have UTSD when it comes to BYU. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's weird because they've always had a quarterback that went on to the National Football League, whether they did well or not. But they always had a pretty prolific quarterback. If you want to go back to the boy on the bicycle and Taysom Hill or Zach Wilson, obviously, who got drafted number two, go all the way back to McMahon or Steve Young. Like, they've had guys. You throw Steve Sarkeesian in there. I'll give Sark some love. He gets thrown in there, even though he didn't have that type of NFL career. But uh, Slovis, man, you're just watching different film, different games this year. You're right. You know, some weeks – 
these Big 12 teams, including BYU, they can look really hot, and some weeks they can look really cold. And TCU in that game in Fort Worth, they got after Keaton Slovis. Like, he threw a pick six really early in the game, and hell, Sonny Dykes could have put up way more points than he did. Like, it was 41 to 11 in the third quarter with about five minutes to go. So they could have kept rolling those boys. And it's on the road. That BYU team is different. Like, you say it all the time. Provo is a different place to play. And that, you know, just excitement that those Cougar fans have. Like, go watch that Cougar mascot and how that dude gets down. That's the most athletic mascot in all of college football. Bring me somebody else. I have no idea who it would be. Y'all show me somebody more athletic than that beige-ass cougar that they got there doing backflips and doing all these Michael Jackson-like dance moves and stuff. Like, it, they get it popping there during timeouts. Like, they really get it popping. So, Provo, it being such a tough place to play, you see this cougar team have the home field advantage in those games. The two losses that they have were in Lawrence against Kansas on the road and then in Fort Worth against TCU on the road. So, are they going to get that? And they're riding a lot of momentum coming into this game, you know, but are they going to look at Malik Murphy and say, oh, we have a chance now? Well, you brought up you brought up the TCU game and that was the game where Josh Hoover made his first start for TCU and he was incredible. He threw for 439 yards and four touchdowns. He's a redshirt freshman, just like Malik Murphy. Made his first start against BYU. He was 37 of 58, 439 yards passing, four touchdowns. All the different receivers, and you're like, oh, okay. Malik Murphy, you need to watch that film. Because what if... But Josh Hoover don't got no pressure on him. Huh? Josh Hoover don't got no pressure on him. He he playing free. Like, oh, man, I've been waiting for this moment. Nobody's expecting me to do well. Malik Murphy got Arch breathing down his neck. Uh, uh, Breathing down his neck. Like, if I mess up, all the Texas Malik Murphy walks naked out of the shower to get the auxiliary back. You keep bringing that up. That's not a positive. He don't care. Malik Murphy don't care. He's swinging freely. He's doing everything freely. Malik Murphy, he's on his own channel, man. Oh, my God. Malik Murphy don't feel no pressure. Malik Murphy looks like freaking Bruce Smith. He looks like Reggie White. I mean, that dude's so thick and so... Ripped. See, you can't be talking about him going out the shower and then talking about him being thick and stuff. It's too close. It's too close. My point is, this dude doesn't feel pressure. Right. This dude, he's tuned into a different wavelength. I think. I think. So, he bet on himself. He did that for a reason. I think... Malik Murphy needs to be watching film of that TCU-BYU game over and over again. And the Texas defense needs to gamble and get pressure on Keaton Slovis. Yeah. Don't be playing that soft, off-coverage BS. 
get Anthony Hill up on the line, get him off, have somebody else play weak side linebacker. Have it be Jay, hell, they're playing Jalen Ford every damn snap. Still? It's, oh, yeah. How many snaps did he get this past week? Oh, he got, uh, I'll tell you right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, good looking out on that. I forgot about that. See, he got 61 snaps out of out of 60 60 61 out of 65 damn that's still a lot you got four plays off that's not as bad to that what 81 80 something that he had against OU definitely not as bad but you know that's that's fine 60 that's a total you got 60 something I'm, I'm good with that all right yeah the 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 highest snap counters in the Houston game Jalen Ford had 61 Baron Sorrell had 53 Malik Muhammad had 52 Terrence Brooks had 52 Ethan Burke had 44. Derek Williams had 36. That needs to go oh. up. Derek Williams, get that needs to go up. We, that needs to I go know up. he needs to yell and communicate more, and that'll come. But Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford, y'all need to go down a little bit. Derek Williams, y'all need to go up a lot of bit. That's all I'm saying. Unless Jaron Thompson show me something, like Terry Joseph, Blake Gideon, I hope. You know, I went by campus today just running some errands and stuff, and I saw those guys practicing. Like, I hope we're locked in. I hope these guys get it, that they are the weak links of this defense, and Kalani Sataki and this offense for BYU are going to throw all those crossing and slant routes at them like Houston did and see if they could cover it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you, but I need Anthony Hill up on the line because Baron Sorrell, um, you know he's he's holding down that strong side and the the weak side. That's where they got to get their that's where they got to get their pass rush. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they got to get something, man. No Ethan Burke now, like Jamon Tap. Is he going to step up? You talked about Justice Finkley saying that he needs to step up. I completely agree with that. And Chris Ross is off. He's left the program. What happened? He must have gotten some NIL money off or somewhere. Damn. Yeah. I mean, we ain't, we ain't talking about him very much. So that shows you that. Dude ain't producing or dude ain't getting the chance. Well, he got hurt. He hurt his elbow. And and then, you know, he this year counts as a red shirt for him. He didn't play four games. So he's, uh, I don't know, making some business decisions. Mm. But um, I'm just saying they got to get some pressure. On Keaton Slovis, because like you said, he threw a pick six two minutes into the game against TCU. Yeah. And you can't let him get comfortable, man. Yeah. You can't let him get comfortable. Can't do it. 
No, not at all. Can't do it. Um, what's my man Blake talking about down there? How is that five-star QB doing for you? Who, Arch? I guess. I think he's doing good. I think he's doing good, too. And that's the thing. That's the thing, Chip. Like, do we know 100% that Malik Murphy is starting? Because Sark said on Saturday, if we were to play today, Malik would be starting. But if Arch Manning's out here slinging that thing... Get, got that juice making everybody go ooh and ah and ooh having all that going on within practice and stuff Sark's got an issue to deal with you know well, I mean, that, that goes back to like what's Malik Murphy's leash like because you don't want no platoon situation you know what I'm saying well here's like, the thing here's the thing you go to Arch Manning and I'm not I'm not convinced Quinn Ewers is gonna turn pro after this season, especially now. Oh Lord. So you you go to Arch Manning, you kiss Malik Murphy goodbye. And you better hope Quinn Ewers returns, because then it's then it's just Arch. What you mean Trey Owens, side fair. We talked to Hank South okay. every week. All right. Trey Owens, they said he you heard Hank last week. I got you. We'll Trey talk to him today. We we'll talk to him today. Yeah, I said Trey underrated. Six okay. five, throwing that thing. Four star. He gets overlooked because all the arch hype and Quinn and all the guys that are in the room now. But yeah, don't sleep on the software product, man. I, I believe in them. Okay. <laughs> I love that you're putting them. You, you wanted me to be more positive today. That's yeah, what you're, you're saying. Not, you wanted me to be more positive. Here you're I not am. being doomsday today. I'm Here proud of I you. am. In a flesh. Positivity. You're, no, listen. You know? Best man wins. Play the best man. If if Arch Manning is looking like freaking Joe Montana, then get his, his uncles. Get him in there. Yeah. But Malik, I want to see Malik have a drive. I'd like to see him have a couple <laughs> drives before we throw Malik back into the transfer portal can can my man get a drive or two <laughs> i mean what if he goes josh hoover yeah on byu it's possible that's the yeah. over under it's possible yeah i'd rather go josh hoover than jake strong lord have mercy oh lord don't even say that oh, name <laughs> Yo, man. The turnover machine damn joey it's tough. Joey. Joey, man. Joey. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think this was going to happen. You saw 8-5 and five last year. Like, oh, we coming in good. I got my quarterback. Oh, yeah, it's going down. So is Blake, you think Blake is a BYU fan or what's going on here? I don't know. What's up, Blake? I'm I'm glad he's listening. Appreciate you, Blake. Yeah. I just don't on, know man. what you're talking. I feel like Arch chilling. Arch knew what to expect in 2023. And All right, let's 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 bring in our man Chris Hummer, the national college football analyst for twenty four seven sports, the one and only Chris Hummer. We just call him Hummer. Hummer, how you doing? What up, y'all? Doing great. Doing good. Um, so we're uh, we're sitting here talking about the Texas quarterback situation, Hummer. And Zay's saying if Arch Manning is looking like his uncles in practice this week, 
do you have to go with Arch Manning against BYU? And I said, well, then you can kiss Malik Murphy goodbye. Like, can can my man Malik get like a drive or two? <laughs> a couple of series? Can my man get a couple series? I mean, he was the guy that Sark put in against Houston with the game on the line, Hummer. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think college football's, especially in a game where you're going to be favored like Texas is, like college football's asset management, right? Especially at the quarterback position. And Malik Murphy isn't just a player in your roster. He is a significant asset. Um, Chip and I both reported earlier this year, back in May, that Malik had a number of suitors across the country uh, calling about him. Um, He was somebody that I can think of several SEC schools would have loved to have be their starting quarterback this year. And it's a huge advantage for Texas to have three potential starters in the room. Now, like, I don't know how the quarterback room is going to shake up, shake out this off season. Like maybe Quinn's out for a while and he wants to come back or Arch wins the job or whatever. Like these are all things that are on the table, but for now, like you don't want to piss off the asset. And I think Malik Murphy in his second year in the program, unless he's getting significantly outshone by Arch Manning in practice should get that start and get that opportunity at least at first. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, you know, this Texas team, what, 23 and a half spread, minus 23 and a half going into this Houston game. And Houston, if it wasn't for that bad spot, who knows what would have happened. And, yeah, they made some pretty big plays at the end. Jade Barron, Jalen Ford had a strip fumble, Michael Taff interception. But that game was too close for comfort. And now you have a plethora of guys that are out due to injury, including their quarterback. Yeah, I was pretty surprised by the result. I'm um, talking to people around Houston during the week. They were confident, but like when you see Texas go up 21 nothing in the first quarter, you expect a blowout. And then I don't know, like if Texas got a little comfortable with the lead, Sark got less aggressive. Um, Houston really played well too. That should be given credit to that. But you had expected Texas's defensive and offensive fronts to control that game, and they just didn't. Um, and that, that's a problem moving forward if you're Texas. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was quite shocked by the outcome of that game. And I think it shows that, and I mean, the Houston game particularly, I think had a lot with it that a lot of other games don't. Like, I don't think people understand just how badly Houston wants to beat Texas. Like, it's hard to really communicate that in terms of the final score. Like, that, that game matters a lot to that program, that community, that team. So you're getting something more from them in Houston than you would maybe BYU this week at least from an emotional standpoint. But I think it does show Texas is still not to the point where if it's not playing its best football, it can't get beat every week, even in a down Big 12. And I think you can probably make an argument. Houston's one of like the three or four worst teams in the Big 12 this year. And for them to have that kind of scare on the road shows that in a couple of weeks when you get, I believe, uh, Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU all in secession, like things can get pretty interesting. So yeah, Texas, Texas certainly has to play better. Hummer, what is going on? Well, what's your thoughts on BYU since we're we're on the Texas train right now? I mean, one week they look awful. I mean, they go to Arkansas and win. They go to Fort Worth and lose to Josh Hoover, a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first start, Malik Murphy, uh, who throws for over 400 yards and four touchdowns in a 44-11 thrashing of BYU who is BYU what which team is gonna show up 
I I would love to have an answer for you. I, I tell you they're a much different team at home than on the road, but they, they did something. They went into Arkansas and won a game. And I think we all remember from two and a half years ago when Texas went into Arkansas and just got clobbered by a reasonably similar team, uh, Arkansas, from a personnel standpoint. Um, so I, I don't know. I think what they are is a pretty experienced team. They're a team that if Keaton Slovis is taking care of the ball, which hasn't always happened this year, they can be very good. They have a above-average offensive line. They have a defense that's been really inconsistent. Frankly, they haven't played a lot of great quarterbacks this year outside of K.J. Jefferson. I believe they ducked Jalen Daniels when they played him. Um, they obviously didn't. I don't know if you qualified Chandler Morris as a great quarterback, but they didn't see Chandler Morris. Um, they had Texas Tech's third-string quarterback over the weekend, so it's hard to make a proper evaluation about BYU. But, I mean, it's not like they're getting Quinn Ewers this week either. Um, so I think Texas is a much better team, but things get weird and I don't know, maybe they've got like another Taysom Hill sitting over there on the sideline that I'm not aware of. Oh, don't, say that. don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. I covered the Manny Diaz massacre. It was awful. Mm. And, and the Charlie strong Taysom Hill hurdling Dylan Haynes Ooh. in 2014 was worse. Yeah. That was 41 to 7. Like people forget the the Manny Diaz massacre was only 40 to 21. But the next year under Charlie, it was 41 to 7 in Austin. But Kate Keaton Slovis is not going to be running around like the kid off the bike. So no. And I will and I will say if there's a key to the game, like I think BYU against FBS opponents this year is undefeated when Keaton Slovis doesn't throw an interception and they're 0-2 when Keaton Slovis does. Um, so if Keaton Slovis takes care of the football, BYU will have a chance. Um, I think you'd like to see Texas' defensive line create more pressure than they have recently. Um, that's obviously been a huge issue. I think the interior of Texas' defensive line is still playing really well, but as has been the case, what feel like, it feels like basically since Charles Abenehu left, like they haven't really had any edge-rushing presences. And BYU has the offensive line to at least keep Keaton Slovis clean this weekend. So um, that'll be an interesting matchup to watch as you follow the game and kind of the interior of that matchup overall. Yeah, I say get Anthony Hill. I don't need him playing weak side linebacker this week. I need him up on the line of scrimmage just running after Keaton Slovis like Slovis has a winning lottery ticket or something, you know? I think there's there's something to that. If you look at Anthony Hill's like pressure statistics this year, his like, and I mean, part of it is like wear and tear on his body smaller than a lot of these outside linebackers, edge rushers would usually be. But I mean, Anthony Hill gets more pressure per snap, I believe, than any Longhorn on the roster. So if you need to generate pressure, you might as well let your true freshman five star uh, generate a little bit for you. So um, I think. Thank you. It'll be interesting to see if Texas gets in some of these closer games or down the stretch when they really need something, if they unleash Anthony Hill on the outside. Yeah, definitely need pressures, Chris, because the secondary is getting absolutely gutted right now. (gasps) Now. Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts coming back. Yes, thank goodness. But, Hummer, what's going on in Michigan? We have you on weekly, and Chip asks you who's the best team in college football, and you say it's Michigan. And respectfully so. They just blasted Michigan State 49-0. 
But this whole spy video gate thing is a little sketchy. They got a guy going to games I've paid for over 30 tickets the last two years. That's a little fishy to me. What are you hearing around college football about Michigan and this, you know, potential scandal? It's it's interesting. So Michigan is like if this is true and that should come with caveat, like if all of this is true and obviously none of this has been adjudicated at this point. If it's true, it's really bad because Michigan's breaking a rule that's been on the books for 30 years. I will say buying tickets is not illegal. You are allowed to, I believe, buy a ticket to a game like as a staff member. Like It's not illegal. What is illegal is filming your opponent and stealing signals. You can steal, steal signals off of tape. You cannot go in person and steal signals, which is what Michigan is going to get in trouble for if this is true. So I think you have a lot of upset Big Ten schools, which is why you're seeing so much information leaked here. I think Michigan is a bit of a pinata. Uh, Michigan is not a well-liked program among other Big Ten schools. They tend to throw their weight around. I think Jim Harbaugh is somebody who really irks a lot of opposing staff and opposing staffs as well. So all of that is swirling here to create the situation where I think you're seeing um, Michigan get in, lose the media push in a lot of ways, if that makes sense, because this information is leaking for a reason. I, I will say every team in college football cheats. Um, they might not be doing this, but every team in college football looks for every possible advantage. Um, we're getting up in arms about this because they got it on tape, but there are kids getting paid millions of dollars under the table. There are illegal recruiting visits. There are things that happen every single weekend. So I'm not personally up in arms about this, but I'll be curious to see if they're found guilty, what the NCAA has to say about it. Enforcement always happens um, after a season is complete. I don't think you're going to see anything happen quickly in this situation to the point where it affects Michigan's um, postseason eligibility. But let's say Michigan wins a national championship. I'll, I'll be very curious to see if they get to keep it. <laughs> Because um, I mean, there's no real precedent for this particular rule uh, being broken in the last 30 years. So however that's enforced will be very interesting. It's all coming out right as Michigan is establishing itself as the number one team in college football. Isn't that something? It's amazing. It <laughs> and yeah, so and I'll, be, I'll be very curious what this means for Jim Harbaugh, too. Like Jim Harbaugh was already... I would say beefing with the NCAA about his punishment that he took earlier this year. Um, he is kind of the head of this operation. I think there are a lot of people um, in Big Ten country and in Indianapolis where uh, the Big Ten is headquartered to see Jim Harbaugh get taken down a peg, but he's also a guy that's going to have options. And maybe, I, I don't know, maybe Jim Harbaugh decides to hang it up after this year at Michigan, go to the NFL, and some of the stuff um, – gets put to bed Hummer, more cleanly than you expect. You know, if this was Kansas basketball, Bill Self would be like, we had no idea that we had some rogue idiot running around filming stuff. We, we don't know anything about that. They pay <laughs> that guy to take the bullet, disappear, bye-bye. So, yeah, it's, it's, but it's interesting. I saw a photo today, Jay Harbaugh, a very, very good coach in his own right. This is not an Iowa situation. But Jay Harbaugh is on Michigan staff. I believe he's their special teams and running backs coach right now. I I, I don't know. He's had like seven different titles since he got there. Um, but he tweeted job, at man. Connor Scallion at one point, like where, like saying thanks for like repping a Michigan jersey. Like this guy was a Michigan fan before he was ever on the staff. 
so there are there are like little links there that I think might be a little harder to um, do a bill self for. So we'll see. Um, but this is um, as far as college football scandals go. Personally, I think this is one of the more interesting ones that we've had in a long time. This is not like this is not like I'm trying to think. There have been so many. I think of Cam Newton and um, James Winston, but both of those had different connotations to them than this one has. So. Yeah, a lot, a lot going on in Ann Arbor. Rambling a little bit because I've just I've heard so many different things about this the last couple of days, just talking to people, and uh, it's uh, yeah. it's something that has a lot of different opinions around it. Yeah, Hummer Cam was still in computers, and Jameis was still in crab legs. <laughs> Jameis, James, yes, Jameis did have a little bit more going on there, but yeah, Cam was definitely stealing computers for sure. And then it was uh, his dad taking money, right? Like when Jameis or when Cam was in trouble. Oh, yeah. His dad took 180,000 or something from Mississippi State. So who knows what Auburn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The the Jameis stuff was obviously much more serious than his Cam's dad taking money. Um, Crab luck thing's hilarious, though. But yeah. um, This one doesn't involve an athlete. um, And it's like very cut and dry cheating, if true. So um, I'll be. Yeah, it's it's definitely fascinating. All right, Hummer, I, I've got to ask you this, just because Cade Klubnik is a local kid. Clemson, you know, comes up short. And it seemed like Dabo might have been throwing Cade Klubnik under the bus at the end of that game. Your, your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was, uh, I mean, we both, Chip, no, Trey Scott, my editor, um, Westlake guy. He was very, he noticed that pretty quickly. Um, Dabo spent two years essentially defending everything DJ Wayne did. And then it seems like the last couple of weeks, um, especially in the two games that Clemson lost, um, Kate ended up getting thrown on the bus for running the wrong place. So it's, it's definitely interesting how that, um, how the criticism from Dabo Sweeney shifted. Um, perhaps it's because even when DJU was at Clemson, they were still finding ways to win those games. Like Clemson was still winning 10 wins every season. Um, right now, Clemson's four and three. It's the worst record they've had after seven games since I believe 2010 when Clemson went six and seven overall. So this is a pretty different conversation, but it's to put it all on Kate Bloodneck is tough. Like Clemson's offensive line, which Davo Sweeney has refused to fix via the transfer portal is bad. Like they can't run the ball consistently right now. Um, Clemson gives up more pressures than almost every school in the ACC. Like Kate Klubnik doesn't have the receivers that Clemson used to have of old. Um, they'll get Bryant Wesco in a year, which will be huge for them. Five-star in Midlothian, but they're not recruiting the same way at that position. And to put everything on your second year quarterback on the road against Miami and that loss feels really disingenuous to me, even if he did run the right play. I feel like if you're Dallas and you're really a player's coach, like at least in front of the media, you should be putting that on yourself because ultimately you're the one responsible for the program. So I think it's, I think it's a tough look for Dallas when to put that on a cake blood the way he did. Yeah. That was rough. Ah, uh, he from Westlake. He'd be I. Well, I mean, Katie Klubnik's whole family describes him as a golden retriever. So if anybody was built kind of, <laughs> Uh, Bulldog, is that what you're saying, Zay? He'll be all right. I'm just saying he'll be all right. You know, that's all I'm saying. He'll be fine. He needs some of that. He's oh, he's used to winning, Hummer. 
He's won like what three state championships. He's used to winning. Now he's had some adversity. The kid will be fine. <laughs> anyway, Hummer, what you don't think you don't think Todd Dodge, Todd Dodge didn't get him to kick club in the back of the day? Oh, <laughs> yeah, definitely did. That dude, he's a hard ass. He definitely got in the cage, so he used to it. He's used to it. But, but um, yes, Kate definitely has the resources to bounce back in a way that a lot of other people don't, for sure. Yeah. Shout what out to Westlake. Beautiful place. That is a beautiful place. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful people, beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah. The bubble. <laughs> definitely definitely a bubble. Bubble even bigger than the one the Texas Longhorns practice in. Oh, man. Penn State, Ohio State. James Franklin, man, just can't win the big game. And it wasn't like they weren't in it. 20 to 12, they're right there. But when your quarterback goes 18 for 42, it's a little difficult to win those big ball games. What did you notice in that game at the Horseshoe this past Saturday, Hubbard? I noticed, like, we talked about this last week. There's a talent gap at certain positions between those uh, two programs. It's been quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, Kyle McCord played a hell of a lot better than Drew Aller did. Marvin Harrison showed he's the best receiver in the sport, and Penn State's receivers didn't separate consistently. Uh, Penn State's offensive line, I think, only generated like 3.2 yards per carry and allowed 20-plus pressures in Ohio State's defensive line, which had been a little maligned going into that game, had, I believe, five sacks compared to two for Penn State, had many more pressures generated. And again... Like, the gap isn't that far, but the gap between elite and great is still sizable. And Penn State is a great football team. Penn State should win 10 or 11 games this year, but they are not an elite program. And we we saw it on Saturday. Like, Penn State still hasn't closed that gap. Penn State still doesn't have the playmakers on the outside. Penn State still isn't recruiting and developing offensive linemen the way they need to, despite having a likely top 10 pick at left tackle this year. The rest of that offensive line hasn't really lived up to its bargain. And Penn State, it's just like, it is what it is. It's a very, very good program. It's just one that is a little shy of uh, being elite in college football. Well, Texas and OU both looked like they were struggling to tap back into the intensity that they had in the Red River shootout. OU almost loses to Central Florida. Washington, I mean, if Arizona State's coach kicks the field goal to go up 10-6 instead of going for it on fourth and three and ends up throwing a pick six, who knows who's the front runner for the Heisman now, Hummer? Oh, it's 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 got to be Jaden Daniels. Um, he leads all quarterbacks in rushing yardage. He leads all quarterbacks in passing efficiency. Uh, he's completing 78% of his passes right now or something crazy like that. Um, he's been outstanding. And if LSU was unbeaten right now instead of with two losses, I don't even think it'd be a conversation. It would, it'd be Jaden Daniels. Um, obviously, guys like Michael Penix, Jordan Travis, Dylan Gabriel are still in that conversation. But if you're looking at the quarterback and the player playing the best right now, it's Jaden Daniels. And then I might have Marvin Harrison in that second spot just because of how dominant he is from down to down. Um, but yeah, right now, like Jane Daniels is on his Joe Burrow stuff. Like the rest of the team around him might not be as good, but Jane Daniels is playing out of his freaking mind. And uh, that'll be the biggest test Alabama's had all year, including Texas, at least containing that offense um, in two weekends. Uh, that'll be the game that determines the SEC West. And it could be a game that determines the Heisman Trophy. Man. 
Speaking of Heisman's, Hummer, Caleb Williams, back-to-back losses. And I guess just Utah, that's his kryptonite. Like, they always beat those guys, beat them three times in the last two seasons. And there's people in national media saying Caleb Williams, with all that he has in his future, this dude's trying to have you know, part, be a part owner of the NFL team he's drafted by. Like, the dude's kind of getting over his skis a little bit instead of just focusing on college football. I've seen it on these Wendy's commercials and Dr. Pepper, and I'm like, damn, this dude's making some paper. He looks like a pro already, but his play has definitely taken a step back. Do you think that he should hang it up just because he has so much more football at the next level to potentially play or ride it out with Lincoln Riley with a team that's probably not going to make a New Year's Six Bowl? Shout out to Emmanuel Acho, just giving people everywhere something to talk about the last couple days, right? Longhorn legend Emmanuel Acho. Um, I don't know what it would show NFL scouts if Caleb Williams stopped playing right now. It'd be one thing if there was two weeks left in the season and there was truly nothing to play for. But USC could still win a Pac-12 championship. Like The season isn't over for USC. The season isn't over for Caleb Williams either. I, I really doubt Caleb Williams, the way he's played the last two weeks, wants his lasting memory and his final kind of piece of film for the NFL to be that Utah game and his game a week ago against Notre Dame. Like, I, I think it would be remarkably short-sighted if Caleb Williams decided to hang it up this season, at least before USD was out of the Pac-12 championship mix. And they're not. Like, USC still controls its own destiny. I think they get Cal this week, and then they have Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and back-to-back-to-back weeks. If USD runs the table, they're in the Pac-12 championship game. They'll have the tiebreakers over all their teams that they were competing with, except Utah. So, like, USC isn't done. Like, Caleb Williams shouldn't be done. Like, if Caleb Williams is outstanding running the table, like, Caleb Williams could still win a second Heisman Trophy. Like, he does not lack things to play for right now. And I think Caleb Williams is too much of a competitor to sit out at least at this point in the season. Um, and I think that conversation that um, is being had because of what Emmanuel Acho said is pretty dismissive of the sport itself and like what the sport means um, beyond just as a pipeline in the NFL. Yeah, Hummer, what uh, what games have your attention this week? I think I'm very, I really wish Jalen Daniels was healthy for Kansas. It's unfortunate that we don't get to see Jalen Daniels against Texas or Oklahoma. But I still think given that Jason Bean played a lot better last week, I think he threw for like 450 yards the last time we saw him against Oklahoma State. That Oklahoma game could be really interesting. Oregon, Utah is the game of the week, obviously. Um, I don't know how Utah Utah can keep doing it. Um, Like they're... Uh, there, I heard somebody say this. I think it was Tom Fernelli on the Cover Three podcast. He called Utah the Pac-12's Iowa, and I thought it was brilliant because that's kind of what Utah is right now. They're super well coached. They play great defense. They have a difficult time moving the ball. They're obviously better on offense, but I think Utah at home is good enough to really upend Oregon season, take them out of the uh, playoff bricks potentially. So that game's huge. I'm always curious about Georgia versus Florida, world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Sign me up every year. Hand me a margarita or something. I'm good to go. Um, That game will be fascinating. And then I think Ohio State-Wisconsin could be really interesting. I don't think Wisconsin's good enough to beat Ohio State right now, but you've got Luke Fickle 
going up against his old team. Uh, for those of y'all that remember, Luke Fickle was the head coach of Ohio State for a season, um, all-conference linebacker for the Buckeyes. And I think this is really Wisconsin's first shot to be one of the juggernauts of the Big Ten since Luke Fickle got there. So those those games are all pretty intriguing. Yeah. Is Alabama starting to impress you more and more week by week and Jalen Milrose play? I mean, they were down a little bit to those volunteers this past Saturday and then they just turned it up kind of like how Alabama used to do it. And you could just see ever since the Texas game, this team starting to get more and more confidence and it starts with their quarterback. Yeah. I mean, we could, if Alabama gets past LSU, we're going to look up and see a 12 and one Alabama or 11 and one Alabama playing for an SEC championship and playoff spot. Like, that's just what it is. Like Alabama is playing a lot better football right now. I think that defense is playing really well. I know Tennessee put up 21 on them in the first half, but that's because Jay, that's because Joe Milton made some throws he hasn't really all season. Defense stepped up in the second half, didn't allow a single point. And I think we saw last week in the second half, especially Tommy Reese just let Jalen Milrow does do what he does well. Like he does two things really well. He runs the football and he throws a great deep ball. I believe every single one of his touchdown passes this year has been 10 plus yards. Like he is somebody who delivers a great deep ball. He's not great intermediate. He's not great short. He has trouble seeing the field sometimes, but he does two things really well. And if you lean on Jalen Milrow's legs and you give him enough time to throw the football, which has been a problem for Alabama this year because of that suspect offensive line, then that offense is good enough to win them almost every game. Um, so Alabama is definitely playing better football and, I mean, I would still probably pick Georgia if they were to go head-to-head um, in a couple weeks, but Alabama's playing well enough to the point where you can squint and see them back in the college football playoff mix. Hummer, Mac Brown, undefeated at home, playing Virginia. Virginia. And they lose. Hummer, what happened? That's a tough one for Mac Brown, man. That's a Tough one. Virginia, I think, is the worst Power Five football team. Like they sincerely, they're the five. worst Power Five football team. They almost they were zero and five against FBS competition going in the week, and they had almost they were. I think they were tied at halftime with William and Mary the week before. That program is a mess, and for North Carolina to lose that game with a superstar quarterback, probably the best quarterback Mac Brown has had since Vince Young. No offense to Colt McCoy. Um, but like in terms of NFL abilities, like Drake May is that guy. Um, for them to have all the defensive pieces, for them to have Tez Walker back in the lineup, for them to have that game at home to lose for Virginia is embarrassing. And I think it's emblematic of something that's long haunted background. Like sometimes you just, you just lose his games shouldn't, um, despite having superior talent. And that was the case on Saturday. Like we talked about Miami blowing an opportunity a couple weeks ago when they lost to Georgia Tech and Mario Cristobal squandered that game because of his inability to just take it, make his team take a knee. North Carolina squandered that kind of opportunity on Saturday. They had a really clear path to at least making the ACC championship game. And that just got that much more difficult with that loss. Um, and that's a, that's a really tough one for North Carolina. Man. So who plays Florida State in the ACC championship then? Man, that's a great question. Um, I would still lean North Carolina. I think North Carolina has Duke, Clemson, and NC State down the stretch, so it's by no means easy, but Clemson's pretty much out of it. Um, Duke, I would say Duke. Y'all know I love the Duke Blue Devils this season, but Riley Leonard's injury really puts a damper on that. 
So, I mean, Louisville and Miami are still in that mix, but I, I think North Carolina is the best team outside of Florida State. I just don't know after that loss if they'll be able to fight their way there, but I, I still lean the Tar Heels. Hummer, you're the man. You think Texas, what, what do you think happens with Malik Murphy? What's your gut? What's your hunch? Your he hunch? Well, I think he's yeah. good. Yeah. I think he's good. Um, I think he throws one or two deep balls that make Texas fans just drool a little bit. Uh, maybe it's not a hot start for Texas. I, I do wonder about that offensive line. The interior hasn't been the same um, since Jake Majors went down. But um, yeah, I think Malik Murphy plays really well and Texas bounces back. There you go, Zay. Hummer, you're the best. We look forward to this conversation every week, my man. That's right. Same here. Just love talking ball with y'all. All All right, y'all have a good one. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Chris Hummer. It's good stuff. It's got to be one of the best segments on college football anywhere. Oh, easily. Easily. Like, we throw everything at them. For those 30 minutes, we throw him everything when it comes to what's going on in the nation. And he's on point on every single thing. Like, that's a lot of games. I know you and I, we focus on Texas, then the Big 12, then beyond. He has to focus on everything, man. And he does a hell of a job at 24-7 sports. He does a hell of a job. He's like a Jeopardy wizard. Oh, it's wild. With all the stuff that we we throw at him. and I knew uh, he was going to be in his bag today because his hair was different. You see how you saw his hair was different? I was like, oh, he's about to be in his back today. He ain't worried about his hair much. Like he's been he's been, the, he's been cracking down on film. He's been writing articles. This dude has been locked in. It ain't about the appearance right now. It's about getting that product out. And yeah, that's my guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um I'll tell you who else is our guy, Tom McKay, audiovisual consultations, getting you. The big screen TV, the surround sound, new lighting, electronic shades, surveillance. And all you got to do is pick up the phone and call 255-8678. And Tom and his crew will bring everything to you from the free consultation, free, I said free, to installation. All you got to do is call that number, 255-8678, and Tom and his crew will bring everything to you. They'll size up what you want. Give you the best deal, and then the crew comes in, hangs the TV perfectly, puts those, you know, Sonos speakers where you're going to get the most surround sound impact, and away you go. You'll be so happy that you made that phone call. So, audio, visual, consultations, best in the biz. They've done it for all your favorite restaurants in and around Austin. Let them do it for you, too. They've done it in three of my houses, taking care of me. Appreciate that. Tom McKay, former bodybuilder. See, I don't know how many people know that about Tom McKay. They know he's a big hockey fan, but that dude can push some weight. Come on, man. I'm talking about. He might be able to take Zay in the bench press from what Zay was telling me earlier. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's also throw physics in there. Tom, what is he, about 5'5"? Five, five? So ain't much he pushing up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got them long right arms. There. Yeah, the long arms, that'll cost you a little bit, you know. Remember Kevin Durant, the combine, 
didn't bench once. Reason why the Blazers didn't take him, idiots. I remember like, oh, he's not strong. He's weak, blah, blah, blah. I remember Can't Colin Cowherd talking about that, and I'm like, have you seen this dude shoot? Oh. <laughs> Get off the weights. Look at his shot. Yeah. I don't think it bothered him very much. Like, you can't touch anybody anyway. It's not like it's the 90s. I think Cowherd was thinking back to the Jordan rules and bad boy Pistons and those Pat Riley Knicks teams that once you came down the middle of the lane, they knock your ass out and it would just be a regular personal call. No. If you get knocked out like that, you out for about five games and fine. So KD, yeah, he can do whatever he want with that slender frame and... Yeah, one of the greatest of all time and might win his third ring this year. NBA starts tonight. Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, that Phoenix Suns team, they play tonight too against the Warriors. They could be special. Man, we got it all going on. We got everything. We got game seven, Diamondbacks, Phillies. We got NBA starting. We got all kinds of college football to talk about. Yeah. The freaking BYU Cougars and their their breakdancing mascot. Yeah, what's that mascot's name? He's got a name. He's got a name. I'm going to tell you what his name is. You ready? Cosmo. Cosmo the Cougar. Cosmo the Cougar. <laughs> oh. Cosmo gets down, man. Cosmo could move. Cosmo gets down. He doesn't waste his time doing push-ups. He's just doing dance yeah. moves. Yeah. And he could do a fair share of push-ups. I've seen him get some, you know, workouts in on that sideline and stuff. That's an in-shape dude. I want to see who's under the mask because they, they can't have no normal Joe Schmo be the mascot. Like, you got to go through a combine oh, yeah. like S if you want that job. Like there's a lot that go into it. It's like What's that show that yard or something. So you can dance. What was that show? Yeah. So you think you can dance? You think you can dance? Like you gotta be, you gotta be like that good. Yes. Yes. Like you're you come here to, for school and your next job might be a, as a choreographer or something like that for. Hell, who knows, Rihanna or Chris Brown or something. I don't know. Anybody that could dance, like Cosmo. Yeah, man. Is Cosmo, Cosmo making the trip? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's making the trip. Yeah, he's going to show out, show up, Bevo. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. All right, so now I'm feeling better about things. What, because Hummer said Malik Murphy? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll, you're... You're making me a believer, too. You really are. It's just, gosh, man, with everything at stake. Like, you're still 6-1. and one. As bad as Texas was against Houston after they put up those 21 points and the score ended up being 31-24, to 24, you're still 6-1. and one. You still got everything. You moved up in the rankings. You're seventh now. So you're moving up. And I think the committee saw with all the parity around college football and all these teams that are really good that struggled. You mentioned Washington earlier, you know, et cetera, that, okay, with the transfer portal and everything that's gone on, like college football is different now. And yes, we got the cheating Michigan Wolverines. They're handling their business, blowing out everybody. Allegedly. Uh, nah. Allegedly, whatever. 
Spilled. You don't think Bill Self? You don't think Bill Self was doing some tab dancing? Yeah, he was Yeah, nil. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Adidas and all that stuff. Dude, yeah. Roy Williams was going to retire because he thought the cavalry was coming for him, and then the NCAA was like, uh. Yeah, the basketball players were taking ghost classes at Carolina, but so were students from the general population. We're out. This is Come up on, to Carolina. Man. Come Roy on, Williams man. like, oh, oh, I'll keep coaching. Won another national title. Oh, my gosh. Basketball's unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah, now they're coming yeah. for Jim Harbaugh because where's Waldo's flying around looking at football signals? Come on, man. Yo, is he wearing Michigan gear while he's going to the game? That's what it feels like he's doing. Is he rocking the gear? Because Homer's right. Like, shouldn't be no penalty and just going to a game, being a fan as a staff member. But once you pull out that phone or that camcorder, nah, man, you're dealing with some very hey, trashy territory. Unless That's that dude is blowing the whistle, until that dude is like, I took orders from Jim Harbaugh to go record stuff. They're going to wiggle out of this. I'm just telling you. Yeah, he's going to be an OG with it. You don't snitch on nobody when you get sent to the pen for 20. Right. You don't snitch on the homies. That's you how snitch. you get whacked. That's how you get whacked in the pen. Like right. you, you want to be able to come out and they can greet you and give you all this money where like, oh, you know what? We got the bins waiting for you when you get out type of stuff. Like on Goodfellas, treated like a main man. That's how you become a main man. He probably a alumni of Michigan. Oh yeah, he ain't gonna rat nobody out. Ain't nothing gonna happen to him. Whoever that is, you know what I'm saying? It's probably the same dude that put up the Hitler photo at Michigan State. They probably. probably have him doing everything, all the dirty stuff. Probably. <laughs> it's probably that dude, the same dude. He's just a fanatic. Yeah. He's I'm just a fanatic. Yeah. Michigan yeah. will cut him loose. Oh, we don't know him. We don't know yeah. him. Who, who's that? Who, what? He's trying to pin stuff on us. We don't know him. Yeah. I'm just telling you. It is crazy. College football is crazy. You've got teams going up one week, down the next. Look at Oklahoma State. Since wow. they discovered Ollie Gordon, who's now like, how many yards behind Jonathan Brooks is he? Because he's now at 816 yards rushing, and Brooks is at 825. Yeah. Ollie Gordon, if you want to know why and I'm going to talk about him in the in the chip shot, unless I should do the chip shot right now before Hank rolls up in here. But I'm telling you what, it's week to week, man. Michael Penix looked like the slam dunk Heisman leader coming out of the Oregon game. That pressure man. different, Michael. That pressure is different. That's what I'm saying. That's what makes me so nervous about Malik Murphy. Because then I see Caleb Williams. Like, Caleb Williams is struggling now. I never, I thought Caleb Williams was going to go Archie Griffin with ease this year. Like, back to back, easy. This dude asking for, you know, part ownership or whatever NFL team wants him. Again, I'm seeing him on all these commercials, drinking Dr. Pepper and eating Wendy's nacho burgers and stuff. I'm Where like, did he yeah. say he wants part ownership? 
You haven't looked that up. Look that up. His crew, his posse. But not him. I, I He hasn't personally said it. They haven't interviewed him and he said something like that. But yeah, word on the street is he wants like a little bit of you know, whatever NFL team drafts him, Aaron Rodgers went for the same thing when he tried to go to the Jets and the NFL said, no, we don't allow that. Like, you have to retire to do that type of thing. And, yeah, this dude, he wants some serious power now, which is obviously might have gotten to his head. Like, dog, you ain't there yet. You still got a lot to prove. And... Yeah, so that pressure is a real thing, man. So you talk about Malik Murphy out here swinging and whatnot, ready to go, not feeling the pressure. Shit, I hope so, because just like our guy SD said on the comment section, you can't take BYU lightly, just like you couldn't have taken Houston lightly. I was so confident last week. I was like, oh, these horns, they pissed off, man. We about to run up the scope. 50 burger, easy. 50 ball on the Cougars, Houston Cougars, that is, on their ass, on their home field, whatever the hell it's called, and then you move on to the next. Nope. I was wrong. We were all wrong. Everybody on Texas Sports Unfiltered who made their predictions when we sent them in the BK on Saturday. Everybody had over a 20-point win. That thing was a seven-point. If that spot was different, who knows, ball game. So now your quarterback is out. And you're coming with the backup, even though he has a lot of upside. You're coming with the backup with way with the way this defense looking. Oh, I'm nervous, man. I'm nervous. And that UTSD that you talked about with this BYU team that has a better record than Texas overall in all the years that they played them. Like, is that gonna play a factor? I don't know. I hope not. You can't look at those superstitious type things, but manship. This is a weird game to me. Like, it's, it's really hard to dissect right now, especially with the availability of some of these guys on the Texas roster. Look, Steve Sarkeesian went to BYU. He's got to be the reverse the curse element. He's got to be the secret sauce in this deal, man. Good because point. Good point. every time Texas lines up against BYU. Now, listen. Those BYU teams in 13 and 14 had Jamal Williams at running back. Ooh. Who's a dog. And they had Kyle Van Noy. That dude's played in the NFL forever. He was a badass linebacker. Like, those BYU teams were pretty stout under Bronco Mendenhall. I don't, I don't see the, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm, they're a bunch of 25-year-old dudes who have bills to pay. They're coming in mad. They're coming in hungry. They don't have speed. They have size and strength, and it's going to be physical. And Texas better be ready to get some, you know, get their bench press on because this is going to be a physical game. Yeah. Don't turn this into some crazy I mean, last week was crazy enough. Yeah. OU fans, OU fans are sitting there going, uh-oh. Like, they looked out of sorts. They looked, they didn't look like themselves. Yeah. Now OU's going to Kansas? 
You know, see, Dwayne, that's what I'm saying, Wayne. Dwayne, slow your roll. Come on, dude. BYU got zero talent. BYU beat Arkansas at Arkansas. Arkansas took Alabama to the very end. The very end, K.J. Jefferson had Nick Saban talking crazy in the press conference, talking about K.J. Jefferson putting on a performance. He did some plays that I've never seen in all my years of coaching. Like, Dwayne, I'm telling you, bro, I, I see it. I see those corny white boys, too. I see it, those Mormons, ship you just named it, 25 grown-ass men. They got some corny-looking brothers over there. I see it, too. No but caffeine, man, no sex. Yeah, ain't having no sex and stuff. Like, yo, man, I... You'd be pissed off, too. Hell yeah, I'd be pissed off. All that pent-up adrenaline. Going to college. Yeah, that's where you're supposed to figure stuff out. You finally get away from your parents. Yeah. College is where it's going. going down. College is where you figure out what you like before you get off to the real world. You know what I'm saying? And y'all are saying that we can't? What? Okay. Whatever. I mean... If you've never seen or heard... the There's a musical. Sean Adams actually told me about it. The Book of Mormon. <laughs> it is the funniest thing you've ever... It's like a spoof. It's by the guys who did South Park. Oh, those dudes. And they wrote a musical about the Mormon religion and how goofy it is. Yeah. Don't get me started. Hey, look, it's time to talk to our man, Hank South. Talk South some recruiting, Bobby. talk some Texas football with our man, Hank South of Horns247.com. <clears throat> Hank, how you doing? I'm great. How are y'all? Oh, man, we're just Good, Hank. we're just trying to... I have UTSD from covering the Manny Diaz massacre against BYU in 2013, the yep. Taysom Hill hurdling Dylan Haynes 41 to 7 game in 2014, Garrett Gilbert getting injured in 2011 and packing his bags and leaving Texas after that game. Like I just I'm not the right person to talk to this week cuz I've just seen too many bad things against BYU. What do you think, Hank? That's exactly my thoughts. You know, I was a student during that uh, I guess my my first year after graduation was so I graduated in 2013. So, you know, uh, yeah. I, I, and I wrote before the season, I, I think we had a round table on Hornets 24-7, you know, which game concerned us most on the schedule. Or, like, which game was a trap game, I think. And I said, you know, I'm never looking BYU, overlooking BYU again, you know, ever. You know, and no matter, like, you know, what the stats say, um, you know, they always have a very sound team. Um, so... You know, especially this week now, you know, with, with uh, the factors going into this game, um, looking like Malik Murphy is going to start. We'll see come Saturday. You know, um, I, I think, you know, with, with, you know, they do have an advantage in that, you know, BYU's defense is not great, but they're also coming off a game where they just forced five turnovers against Texas Tech. You know, they've played Arkansas really close. They beat Arkansas, I'm sorry. Um, and Arkansas's, you know, their record doesn't show it, but they're a pretty solid team. They played Kansas close. Um, and so, you know, I think Texas will have an opportunity to, you know, break in whoever's under center, um, you know, with, uh, you know, being able to take some advantage of some mismatches on defense. But, you know, offense, they've got a veteran quarterback in Keaton Slovis. Um, they've got big receivers. And, you know, looking back towards last week, you know, that's kind of what Houston had going for it. They had a skill talent and they had a veteran quarterback. And, and we saw them really take advantage of, 
you know, a, a depleted Texas secondary. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to, you know, I'm, I'm not picking Texas to, you know, blow them out by any means. You know, I think it'll be more, you know, maybe in that like 20, 28, 14, maybe 35, 17 range. We'll see. Maybe not even that much. But, you know, I think Texas will pull it out. But it, it's certainly a challenge and in, in, in one that, you know, they, they can't sleep on. Yeah, Hank, you know, just covering recruiting as long as you have. When it comes to players, whether it's high school kids or the transfer portal, going to BYU, because there's obviously restrictions, but there's things that are appealing, too. Like, they don't get guys like Zach Wilson and, you know, Taysom Hill and Steve Young for no reason. Like, it could be an attractive place, but it also takes a very specific player to go there. What type of player have you seen in all your years of recruiting goes there? Like, why are they just always sneaky good at times, sometimes better than others? Like, what do you see? What's the attraction in Provo? Well, you kind of nailed it right there. Like, it's it's a very disciplined, I guess, kind of program. You know, they have to abide by, you know, all these standards. Um, So right off the bat, you know, you got to you got to find those kids. You know, I, th- I think what gives them kind of an advantage a lot of times, and I think you can say the same thing about Utah, um, is, is kind of the Polynesian community or like the, the like the, they're just re- those kids are really talented. They're really strong. You know, they've grown up loving football, and I think that love and you know that strength, everything blends together. And you know, they have really talented guys in the trenches, and um, you know, guys that that go on to be first rounders. That you know, offensive line, they're always really solid. Um, so I, I think just a combo of that, you know. All the kids I've covered that have ended up going to BYU are obviously, you know, Mormon kids, you know, kids that, you know, BYU has it to where, you know, they'll recruit you and then you can go on your mission and leave for two years, come back. So their team's always um, a little bit older, uh, a little bit more um, mature and experience, or, you know, mature, not as much experience because they're coming back from. I've always wondered that also. When you go on a mission, how do you stay like? what's the workout regimen? Like, still training? Doing, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, are you doing football <laughs> activities or is it just like lifting? Like, so I, that's probably for another time, but I've always wondered that myself. Um, so, you know, but we've seen guys that go on missions and come back and then uh, who was the quarterback that, you know, what was his name? Um, Jim McMahon. Yeah. Well, um, what, you know, it's funny. Sark played at BYU too. Yeah. Um, there was a quarterback a few years ago that just got off his mission and came back and do that Hail Mary in Nebraska, beat Nebraska. I think they like, it was like two or three weeks in a row they were winning on Hail Marys at the last minute. Um, but no, I mean, they're just an experienced team. They're a disciplined, experienced, well-coached team. And, um, you know, they, they recruit to that, and, and that's been beneficial for them. So Sark, uh, I'm trying to find him as a player. I think it was like 95, because he started at JUCO, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's not a coincidence that when their players go off to the NFL, they're a little odd. You know what I'm saying? Like, you talk about Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a weird dude running back for the Saints, (laughs) came from the line. That's a weird dude. And I'm not, you know, Taysom Hill seems normal. Zach Wilson's mama's kind of weird, so I can throw him in that too. But, yeah, they just seem like, and we know Sark's had his issues, but just all that built-up pitching, me and Chip been talking about, all that stuff that is just not allowed there in Provo. And when you yeah. make it out, that could be a little dangerous. Yeah. And Sundays, I mean, it's funny. Uh, my wife actually grew up Mormon. She's not Mormon anymore. Um, but, you know, I, I knew her in high school. And, you know, they had, they would go to seminary in the morning at like 
5 a.m. before school even started for two hours. Oh, no, no. And you go to church for like five hours on Sunday. And then you, I think you have to go Wednesday night thing you got to do. It, it's very structured. And uh, yeah, there's not a lot. And I, I don't think you have, like, you don't have to be Mormon to go to BYU or play for BYU, but you have to abide by kind of all the church rules and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't surprise me. Like, you know, guys that get to the NFL, like their Sundays are usually a lot more uh, structured around the church than they are NFL football. So it could certainly take some time to adjust to. Yeah. Well, Hank, let's get your, let's get your, before we get to the recruiting, what'd you think of the, what stood out to you about the the Texas Houston game? Man, it was just like a roller coaster. Um, you know, obviously Texas came out hot. Um, you know, I, I think, and, and I think everybody would probably say this, you know, that fake field goal just feel like it, it felt like it changed the whole psyche of the game. Like, I guess, what was the score? 21 to seven at that point. And he goes for the fake field goal. And they even said it in the broadcast. They were saying, you know, this is Stark really kind of going for the kill, like trying to like really, you know, stick it to Dana Holgerson in Houston. And then after that, you know, you kind of just felt it watching the game. You're like, Houston's going to come back. They're going like, it was like, it's not if they're going to score. It's like, when are they going to score? And that was just, that was just that for the rest of the game. You know, I, I think it was very evident, you know, the, the injuries in the secondary, we didn't see Jade Barron until the second half, you know, when it was kind of, you know, Jordan Scruggs reported, you know, he wasn't going to play unless it was an emergency. It was kind of an emergency in the second half, and, and he came oh, they in. Broke and, the glass. Yeah, and they uh, he he helped save the day. You know, we saw Michael Taft, you know, have the big interception, and you know, people were giving Holgerson crap for uh, you know throwing it on fourth and inches, and I understand that, but you know, that was working for them. That was working for them the entire game. You know, I think Houston only Houston had under like fifty or sixty yards rushing as a team, so it's like why not do what's been working for you? And it didn't work out for them. And, you know, the spot, you know, you can debate it all, but, you know, Houston got away with a lot, several massive holding calls. I actually tweeted one out that kind of went viral that he was just roped. He was just holding oh, yeah. the headlock. It was, it was insane. But, you know, that's just one of the game, games, you know, good teams, great teams win ugly game. You know, it's better having a win than that being a loss. And I wrote on Sunday on Horns 24-7, kind of looking back at some of Texas's best teams, you know, 2004 Rose Bowl champions, they were a fourth and 18 from getting upset by Kansas, who was a terrible team that year. Um, you know, 2005 and 2004, like Oklahoma State gave them a run for their money both years. Oklahoma State's obviously a pretty solid program, but, you know, those are, those were games Texas was supposed to dominate. Um, so this happens. You know, we're not going to be talking about Houston if Texas keeps this thing rolling, if, if they reel off some more wins throughout the month of November. So, you know, they got out with it. They got out with the win. It wasn't pretty, but it was a win. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. All right, Hank. Tomorrow's a huge day. Ryan Wingo is set to announce where he is going to school for now. You never know with these kids. They don't yeah. stop getting recruited. But he's set to make his commitment tomorrow. I saw the clip where he was playing or warming up and he had the Texas gloves on. So that's obviously a positive. But where are you at? <laughs> where are you at one day out? I was going to say that's like almost a death blow when you wear the team gloves right before the, the decision. Don't say that, Sal. Don't say that, man. No, I remember last Tuesday we talked about it and I said, you know, maybe I'll change my mind next week. I was still on Texas and, you know, I did change my pick to Missouri. Um, you know, I know I did, it, you know, it, I, I feel like everything, like I've reported, you know, people close to him, you know, they feel Texas checks every box, but you know, and I, I really don't even think it's an NIL thing. I think, I think NIL is absolutely involved, 
but you know, I think it's, you know, staying home, you know, and I, you got to respect that with a kid, you know, the kid that wants to represent his own state, you know, if, if he does end up choosing Mizzou, you know, that's a cool thing to do, especially Mizzou's played really well. You know, he has Luther burden to look up to in terms of, you know, what he can be for that offense. So, you know, I, I, I'm predicting Mizzou right now, I will say, and I don't want to get people's hopes up, but you know, I have heard that, you know, it's like you said, it's it's not going to be over tomorrow with a commitment, you know, he's going to still be recruited, you know, maybe he'll take some more visits um, you know, he's not signing until December. So, um, you know, Texas is still working on him. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be Mizzou, but you know, it, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's not done. And so, you know, it, it'll be worth watching, um, you know, the next eight weeks. Yeah. As Sark likes to say, when a kid commits, that just tells all the other schools competing for the kid, the school that they go, they need to go after in terms of, you know, throwing a little shade at that school or whatever they need to do to build themselves up compared to that school. So it's, you know, and, and yeah. I think people know, but your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that that's kind of when it first starts, you know, that you look at Texas's targets right now, most of these kids are all committed with the exception of really Kobe Black and um, Solomon Williams, the edge rusher and, you know, the whole target list is, you know, Auburn commits. Um, who else? Who am I, who am, who am I not thinking of? Possibly Mizzou commits with Ryan Wingo. Um, multiple Auburn commits, actually, with Dimitri, um, Dimitri um, Nicholas and uh, DeAndre Carter. And then you have Wardell Mack, who's committed to Florida. Um, and, and Dominic McKinley committed to Texas A&M. So, you know, like you said, you know, like Zark says, it, it kind of just shows, you know, what the target is now. And, uh, you know, can they close? And, you know, again, if Texas can parlay, you know, maybe a Big 12 championship, college football playoff berth, some of these teams, you know, Texas A&M is sliding. They're not looking good. We'll see how Florida finishes, you know, this back half of their schedule. I don't know if it's going to be pretty for them. Um, we'll see how Mizzou finishes. And then Auburn hasn't been very good either. So, you know, maybe Texas can use that to its advantage when uh, they go out on the road in December and try to try to officially wrap some of these recruitments up. Of those uncommitted, or, or excuse me, of those kids who Texas is still tardy, targeting who are committed somewhere else, which one do you think would have the biggest impact immediately at Texas? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, assuming Ryan Wingo commits to Mizzou, which I think he will, I would, you'd have to say him. You know, you're looking at an offseason where a lot of the skill talent's going to, you know, go on to the draft. Um, and I think there's going to be opportunities for young guys to step in and we'll see, you know, if the portal is something Texas looks at at that position too. So I think there's opportunities for wide receivers um, to come into the mix and, and uh, contribute. Um, trying to think who else is committed that they're recruiting. Um, the offensive lineman at... Uh, yeah, DeAndre Carter, um, you know, possibly. That that could be a spot, you know, the... the um, you know, interior offensive line, you know, if there's competition there in, in the spring. Um, so I think those two spots, um, I think Wingo would make make the most sense in terms of uh, committed guys that, that could impact immediately. Yeah. Well, any other any other uh, notebook items to keep an eye on, Hank? Yeah, I reported um, yesterday in the Stampede, um, TJ Lindsay, who's another Auburn commit, um, defensive lineman, um, he has Texas is kind of re-engaged with him. You know, he committed to Auburn back in uh, August, and now he is um, the contact kind of just went cold with Texas. He wasn't talking to Bo Davis anymore. He wasn't talking to Sark. 
he actually reached out to me on Friday night and was like, hey, Sark and Davis are texting me again. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I asked him, you know, what, what's, uh, you know, are you going to listen? And you know, he's like, I might go out there. And so I reached out to him yesterday and he's actually looking at travel to try to come into Austin this weekend. Um, IMG Academy is off this week. So um, he'll have a chance to maybe take in a game. So again, you know, Auburn's not looking very good. Um, you know, I don't think kids always look at that, especially this NIL era, but you know, maybe he's seeing what the Texas defensive line has been able to do this season. Um, and maybe that's something he wants to take a closer look at. So he's already actually been on an official visit back in the summer. So he's familiar with his, with the layout and everything that Texas offers. So we'll see if, if that's something that, um, you know, Texas starts getting some momentum with. Um, beyond that, you know, we're kind of just, you know, we'll see who shows up to campus this weekend. If Lindsay does end up making it, you know, DeAndre Robinson, who's just having a, just a crazy senior season, um, big defensive tackle from Florida. He's catching one-handed touchdowns. He's picking off passes. He's getting sacks. Um, you know, I, I, I tweeted on Sunday. I was like, I think there might be some sort of goal line package with DeAndre Robinson when he gets to Texas, um, you know, with his, with his ball skills for six, four, you know, three twenty. Um, so, you know, we're watching him. He's still getting recruited by others, but he seems pretty solid with Texas. And, you know, there, there's a bunch of storylines. You just kind of have to see how this is going to play out over the next two months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Zay, anything else? Yeah, Hank, what do you think about Malik Murphy starting this weekend? We're seeing them in high school. We know who's behind them, and I know yeah. a lot of people, especially national media, can't wait for Arch Manning to get that nod to go in the game. But Malik Murphy, it seems like he's going to be the one to take those first snaps on Saturday. What are you expecting from him? Yeah, I, I think, you know, with a full week of game prep, you know, obviously he wasn't – I think if he, if he expected to play last Saturday, it was probably more in, um, you know – coming off the bench when Texas is up by, you know, four scores, which they, they should have been. Um, but, you know, now with a full week of game prep, he, he you know, he has that mindset where he, he's going to be the starter. Um, I, I think that's going to help. I think, you know, you know, obviously the offensive staff, they're drawing up um, ways to be able to, you know, utilize his skill set. But he's a guy, you know, obviously he's huge. We all saw that picture in the summer when they're all lifting ways together. He <laughs> seems like he was a foot and a half taller than all of them. Big body guy, strong arm, can make all the throws. And, you know, he's getting put into a situation where obviously, you know, the starting quarterback of Texas is very high pressure, but, you know, Texas has established its run game, you know, that he can lean on Jonathan Brooks. He can lean on CJ Baxter, who's started to kind of blossom a little bit. Um, you know, he's got the playmakers of wide receiver. Jatavian Sanders is getting healthier. You know, he has the guys around him that can really help him succeed. So, you know, I think we're going to see a really strong showing from him. Um you know, and, and again, BYU is what I wrote it down 98th in total defense in the country, 100th in passing, 88th in rushing. Not to say you should overlook that because, you know, they can force turnovers. Again, they're very well coached. Um, first quarter, first start for them. And I will say, too, you know, all BYU has to game plan for Malik is Texas's spring game. So it's, you know, it's they don't have a lot of tape on him. You know, I, I think, you know, we'll see some creative stuff that, you know, Sark, Milwee, and Kyle Flood all draw up to, um, to really kind of take advantage of uh, some some opportunities. So I think it's going to be a fun game to watch, and I'm, I'm excited to see how he does. Hank, what one last thing. What do you know about Ollie Gordon, kid out of Fort Worth? He's the running back at Oklahoma State who's now like 10 yards behind Jonathan Brooks. He's, oh. he's like blowing up, ran huh. 29 times for 262 yards. Um, okay. 
Yeah, Oklahoma State's come on as of late. Uh, I don't know anything about him, to be honest. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at his 24-7 page. He's from Euless Trinity, so strong high school program. Um, yeah, I'll have to look more into that. Yeah, it's he's... Weird that Texas doesn't play Oklahoma State this year, unless, I guess, they end up playing in the Big 12 championship, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but... Yeah, he's just kind of emerged and resurrected the the Cowboys. Um all right, Hank, let's do it again next week, my man. Yeah, sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, right, Hank. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate Hank yep. South breaking it down. Um, yeah, I know. It's Why tough, not? man. He was so sure last week. He well, was, so, was kind of... Here's been- the thing. Here's the thing. Missouri's hot, and it's a long way to December. Yeah. Missouri can cool off. Texas... You know, you never know. Yeah. So I always say with recruiting, until the the name is in ink on that national letter of intent, just hang on for the ride. Don't don't jump off. Don't make any false moves. Just hang on for the ride. You know, yeah. and see how it all finishes. Mid December. Yeah, ask yeah. that about Anthony Hill or Colton Vosick, both of those right. guys. One right. flip from AM, one flip from Oklahoma. So if it can right. happen at those rivals, then it can happen at Missouri. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let me give you a little something about my friends at Brain Vault. You know what I'm saying? Brain Vault, my man, Dr. Greg Eckert. First of all, if you need the the dentist, a, a fun trip to the dentist, I know I, it's hard to believe, but you go to Dr. Eckert and you're going to enjoy yourself. You're going to enjoy the staff. You're going to enjoy going to the dentist. And look, if you got to get some some work done, then you might as well be doing it with someone you know, you trust, who you enjoy. Because if you're just avoiding the dentist, some of you probably haven't been to the dentist in years. Let me tell you something. Go see Dr. Eckert because you're going to be happy and you're probably in pain and you don't need to be in pain. So just go to Dr. Eckert, Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T.com, schedule an appointment. And if you're an athlete or you're, you know, your kid is in athletics, maybe you're the team mom, maybe you're a coach of a, you know, football team, flag football team, women's soccer cheerleading group, the Brain Vault mouth guard is a game changer. It is all about reducing the potential effects of concussion. And Brain Vault patented. It's, I went in for a fitting. It's amazing how they fit this mouth guard so that your neck muscles are aligned so that when you take a blow, you're not getting the significant part of that blow. And that's why this mouth guard is so special. Bijan Robinson wears it. If you have a child or, again, if you're a team mom or manager, get a group fitting because this is what's going to help protect your kids from, you know, suffering concussion. And like Dr. Ecker didn't even know that cheerleaders who are, you know, they suffer their concussions in practice when they're throwing, you know, kids up in the air and they're doing the flyer stuff. It's high impact I mean, hopefully everybody's getting caught, but not always. So if you have a child who's in those kinds of activities, 
Get to brainvault.com for a fitting. Better yet, bring the whole team in. Or just, they'll come to you. Brainvault.com. All right, Zay. My man, Mike Gundy. I mean, they looked like they were going to plunge. You remember when they lost to South Alabama 33-7? to Man, those were dark times. It looked bad. And then they went to Iowa State and lost, and they were 2-2. Two and two, And you're like, oh, man, Oklahoma State is not going to be a factor this year. Well, here comes Ollie Gordon. So after the 2-2 two and two start, this dude, first of all, he only had 19 carries through the first three games. And he wasn't getting any run, and Oklahoma State was losing. Then he got 18 carries for 121 yards against Iowa State. Oklahoma State still lost because they were rifling through quarterbacks. They were playing all three quarterbacks. But then they settled down. They settled in on Alan Bowman, the sixth-year prodigal quarterback who started his career at Texas Tech, went to Michigan, came to Oklahoma State. And the combination of Alan Bowman and Ollie Gordon has turned around the fortunes of Oklahoma State football. They've won three in a row over Kansas State, Kansas, and West Virginia. West Virginia was looking good for a minute. Now they're, we're not even talking about West Virginia. We're talking about Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State only has one loss in the conference. And Ollie Gordon against West Virginia, 29 carries, 282 yards rushing, 9.7 a carry, four touchdowns. And in the last three games, this guy's run for uh, 81, 81 carries for almost 600 yards and is a monster. And he's just come out of nowhere. He's now, what did I say? He's, he is nine yards behind Jonathan Brooks in the national rushing landscape. And he is changing the fortunes of Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State. And, you know, you always kind of look at Mike Gundy and you're like, man, he doesn't really ever get those big name recruits. Like our man Hank South didn't even really know, um, you know, Ali Gordon coming out of Euless Trinity and now here he is. You got um, Ollie Gordon and Jonathan Brooks both in the top 10 nationally in rushing and Ali Gordon. Now Texas does not play Oklahoma State but this is, this is a heck of a story. It's a little bit like Jonathan Brooks's story to be honest. I mean yeah. Jonathan Brooks I had a good feeling about him. I, I mean, obviously, every time he hit the field for Texas, he was making plays, and he's he's doing it again. But Ollie Gordon was like third on the depth chart when Oklahoma State started its season, and now this dude is just 
Um, he's just running wild. So uh, you look it's at always Oklahoma fascinating State. to me. Like you see these guys all preseason and in practice and stuff. And that just shows some guys aren't practice guys. Right. Some guys just don't like it. Some guys just, after a long day of classes and stuff, I ain't playing in front of my friends. I ain't playing in front of the fans. I ain't playing in front of the family. Like, that could go a long way into giving a guy extra juice. Coaches hate it. They want the practice guys so they could have confidence going into the games. I get that. But, man, there's just some dudes that – practice and ain't they thing they don't want to do all the drills and stuff and they don't want to run wind sprints and you know just all the hoopla that goes into everyday practice but when it's game time when that ball snap and you hear those fans rah, rah, going crazy and when you go to away games they calling your mama out her name and talking about your sister's baby daddy and stuff like how they know that I didn't know my sister's baby daddy in prison, but hey, that's college football. And then all of a sudden you use that as motivation and you go crazy like Ollie. Shout out to him, man. And he's a Texas kid. Shout out to him. That's yeah, this about. dude, this dude was a three-star recruit. He was recruited by Arkansas. He was offered by BYU. Yep. He was offered by Hawaii and by Houston. And Three-star recruit out of Euless Trinity, 6'1", 210-pound running back in the 2022 class. And Mike Gundy has done it again. He's figured it finds, out. He finds these athletes, man. It took him a while, but he found them. Yeah. Took him a while. Took him a while. <laughs> Ali Gordon. Kudos, man. Oklahoma State is now a scary team because... They figured out how to run the football. They could not run it a lick last year. And Dominic Richardson left. Remember, he transferred to Baylor. Baylor, yeah. Because it was like, I'm not I'm not sticking around here. Yeah. This running game doesn't work. And now, Ollie Gordon, just like that. Yeah. Boom. All right, Zay. It's time for my man. Zay, the right call, Collier. That's right, man. Before we get to the right call, got to tell you all about Covert BK, the Covert Auto Group family-owned group of automotive dealerships that have been around the greater Austin area for over a 100 years and doing it at a high-quality rate with a high-quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles and their outstanding customer service and just service in general. You can't beat it at Covert BK. So go visit the crew. Beautiful 42 acres down there with seven terrific brands, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dots, Jeep, and Ram. You're going to find what you want at Covert B Cave. So you need that pickup truck, that SUV, that two-door. You need that sunroof, whatever. You need just the nice rims and all that stuff. Covert B Cave has you covered. You can go to CovertBCave.com if you want to look at all the specials and inventory to pick out what you like. Christmas is coming up not too far from here. Get that covert vehicle for Christmas with a nice bow on it. You will make that, whoever you're buying it for, a very happy person. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. 
All right, Chip. Well, speaking of bad fathers, because you just talked about Mike Gundy. He's not playing his son. He's playing Bowman because his son obviously can't cut it. He's just there along for the ride, but it is what it is. Antonio Brown put out a very odd tweet today, basically just announcing that he's a horrible father. He said, F, which he said the word, child support. And then he has a image of, I guess, his baby mom chasing him and he's holding money like a football and he's in his NFL gear. It's like a cartoon. It's like a cartoon picture. I'm pulling it up, but yeah. Oh, he's back in his Steelers. Back in his Steelers gear with not the not the Jets. Yeah, not yeah, you mean the Buccaneers. Or Tampa. Yeah, he left. That's yeah, you remember the Jets because that's where he walked out on those boys, just left that thing and didn't come back either. But yeah, Tony Tony O'Brown just only had to pay fifteen thousand. He got arrested the other day. Only for fifteen thousand, which for him for you and I, that's a little bit of, you know, change. For him, it shouldn't be that much. But Antonio Brown's track record recently, it couldn't be worse. So I don't know if you remember, he owned a little bit of that arena football team or a football league, excuse me, that was going around and those players weren't getting paid at the right time. So there's that. Obviously, you go back to his rapping career, which is basically over already. He had one song, Put That Shit On, which I don't know if you remember this dance. It was the rave of all last year, 2022. But since then, I don't know if he's touring. I haven't seen much. I haven't seen many videos. I don't know what's going on. He's gone completely off the deep end. And then it goes back to what you were talking about, him leaving the field with him and Bruce Arians, the then Buccaneers coach, got into something. And he said, you know what? You're not respecting me enough, so I'm going to go to the locker room at my own will. And that basically got him erased from the NFL. So that brings up what I'm about to ask you now, Chip. Even though he has all that luggage, he's still a seven-time Pro Bowler, a four-time All-Pro, and a Super Bowl champion. Does Antonio Brown get to the Hall of Fame? No. no. Too much baggage? Too, Too much, much baggage. Yeah. I mean, it just ends up clouding stuff. I mean, look, Terrell Owens got in, but Terrell Owens, I always said this, about Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. Randy Moss did knucklehead stuff. Like, he wasn't trying to be a bad guy. He just was like... He just from West Virginia. Yeah, he just was like, <laughs> I need to get through this traffic. And he, you know, ended up putting a police officer on the hood of his car. Terrell <laughs> Owens was like calculated and went yeah. after his own teammates. Like, went after Donovan McNabb, went after um, the quarterback for the 49ers. Um, Jeff Garcia? Jeff Garcia, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what if it walks like a dog, you know what I mean? And they got, they got through. But with Antonio Brown, man, it just feels different. Doesn't it? It just feels like 
man, people were mad at Ben Roethlisberger for saying something when Antonio Brown left Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh did a great job of kind of keeping him in yeah, his lane. Yeah. And the, until he got out, and then you kind of realize the crazy factor on him. Man, like yeah. he was he was doing great in Pittsburgh. And as soon as he got out of Pittsburgh, he just started bouncing around like a Super Bowl. And and the stories got weirder. Yeah. And weirder. Yeah, there's that video where he's farting in the doctor's office and stuff. <laughs> like, the dude is absolutely insane. And it was a sixth-round pick out of Central yeah. Michigan. I mean, he's a great story. An incredible story. And, like, a lot of these guys that are coming into the National Football League that are playing college right now that play that position – looked up to Antonio Brown, like, go watch his film. It's his footwork, you know, his just breaking in different routes, his release. Like, Antonio Brown, he should be in the Hall of Fame. There should be no questions asked. And the fact that they won't be able to put him in because he's so troubled, like, it's it's sad, man. It really is. Like, look, Tom Brady, if it wasn't for Tom Brady, the dude wouldn't even have a ring. Tom Brady was like, yo, I can, let me deal with him. He going to stay with me for a little bit. Let me deal with him. He's worth it. That talent's worth it. Like, think about the going in the cryo whatever chamber where... With his, with his bare feet. Bare feet. Fool, are you serious? <laughs> that was a weird tenure. The Raiders era when he was on Hard Knocks and John Gruden was so ecstatic about him. Like, he was like, yo, this guy is the real deal. He's different. And I don't, he didn't play a game in the Raiders uniform, I feel like. You know? Right. So it's just... Right, because he, he didn't have any shoe sole. He didn't have any feet. He didn't have any skin on his feet. Yeah, the dude is... Yeah, in that case, you're right. <laughs> like... The dude's an absolute nutcase, man. And the dude put, like, when Tom Brady got the divorce, he was posting a picture of him hugging Giselle after the Super Bowl win. Like, Tom Brady gave you a second chance, bro. And this is how you do him? This is how you, and then, like, now people are speculating that you were a part of the divorce because maybe you and Giselle had some hanky-panky going on. Just speculation. That's all that is there. But still, like, Tom don't deserve that, man. Tom don't deserve that. And, yeah, DJ, you're right. It feels like a mental illness thing. Like, you shouldn't be able to, or excuse me, you shouldn't joke about mental health, not laughing matter, but he's done so many things. It's become laughable. It's become comical. And... I, I mean, gosh, did he account. put out that picture that you showed? Yes, that was from his account. F child support. Put that like, picture up. Put that picture up again. I love it when you do this. By the way, like <laughs> this is how we do our stuff. Yeah, we do a boo. Like I don't have some of the oh my benefits God. that some of these other guys do. Yeah, like, bruh, you're you're a bad father now too. Like, come on, man. Like, like I get it. Be mad at the baby mama. I get it. We have those all around the world. You know, baby mamas and baby fathers not getting along, not making it work. But don't let it affect the kids. Don't let it affect the children. 
They need that. They need it. Well, you know what? I stand corrected. I'll, they probably don't need him as a father. They, they, they probably shouldn't see him very often because that, you know, <laughs> they'd be out here probably acting crazy too if they saw what dad was doing. I wouldn't want him babysitting my kids. I don't even have kids. He couldn't babysit my dog, Antonio Brown. So, you know, damn, man, sad story. I hate to see it. I hate to see guys that are just that talented that had really great careers not make it because of BS, you know? I mean, I I mean, there was a stretch of about five years in fantasy football where you, you wanted Antonio Brown or Julio Jones. Yep. And from 2014 to 2018. Yeah. And then Devontae Adams moved in, but man, Antonio Brown was a fantasy football. He and Roethlisberger were a fantasy football oh, gold mine. Man. man. Gold mine. Yeah, that connection that they had. And Roethlisberger got his luggage too. It ain't obviously Antonio Brown luggage, but he got his luggage too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Man. Well, I'll tell you what, that's Perse Hilton. I mean, bringing it to you fresh off the off the presses, baby. Yeah, man. I got that was a tweet people. or a post today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 15,000. Like, that's it. I was expecting, like, 50,000 or six figures or something. You know, if you're going to say F child support, you know. But, dog, you made the money. You had the kids. You could have put on the Jimmy hat. You didn't have to, you know, go all out. You could have put on the Jimmy hat. Could have done it. And you wouldn't have to worry about those kids. Them kids here now, they deserve to be raised the right way. So, come on. Amen. Get it together. Get it together, man. Man, I'll tell you what. I'm telling you right now. I mean, happy hour starts at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking in 30 minutes, kids. From uh, 3.30 to 6.30, get over there. Get you ready for game seven of Phillies, Diamondbacks. Get you all, you know, happy houred up and great seafood. And you're, look, happy hour, $5 off appetizers. You're getting great food off the appetizer menu. Order family style and take, thank me later. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. This is our man, Jack Gilmore, who gave you Jack Allen's Kitchen. You love Jack Allen's Kitchen. And you're going to love Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, too. The locations in Austin and Round Rock. And don't forget to get over to laststandhats.com to get your Texas Sports Unfiltered merch. That's right. Come on. Come on, baby. I had an Allstad beer at uh, out at Coda, of course, Coda, Coda text line, Circuit of the Americas for the F1 race on Sunday. Yeah, it was all blood. Love me some Allstat. That's just some good German lager. You know what I mean? Yeah. Boom. There you go. There you go. And great blue hair and furniture. The best. High end. Handcrafted. We got our own, uh, we got our own promo code. Over there, hook them. Get you fifteen percent off high-end furniture built for a lifetime. Not this stuff you're going to get at the box store. You know, 
get to greatblueheronfurniture.com and that is high-end leather furniture built for a lifetime. You'll love it. It'll probably make you want to redo your living room. You know what I'm saying? All right, Zay. So NBA tonight, who's your team? What's your prediction? Um, NBA finals. Remember, there's a weird in-season tournament this year, which is going to count for winning percentage uh, in Vegas in December. We'll see how that goes. But for the real finals next June, I got... The Suns are going to beat the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. That's a... That's tough to say, but... Is that a pick with your heart or your head? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. And then I got the Bucks and the Celtics playing in the East, and I think the Celtics are going to make it out of that. And I think... Wait, who's coaching the Celtics? Joe Mazzulla. Yeah, the West Virginia, former West Virginia Mountaineer. Um, who've had oh crazy ass who's the West Virginia coach now drinking their oh, Huggins. Yeah, Bobby Huggins. He had his back for some reason, but whatever. That was your coach, Joe. Uh whatever. And then uh finals I got Suns versus Celtics. Suns winning in six. KD, Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, nobody's gonna be able to stop that. Nobody. They're gonna put up record numbers this year. So who cares about D? Yeah, nobody cares about D. Come on. Nobody watches for defense. That's that's not a thing. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. By the way, shout out to everybody on our Coda text line. Somebody asked, hi, Chip and Zay, love the show. Wanted to get your perspective. We got to go fast here on the defense. I'm very not happy with PK and how bad the horns seem to get gashed and can't get to the quarterback. It seems as if every third down that Texas is in, they find a way to let the opponent get the first down. I don't get it. Yeah, we're right there with you, my guy or my gal. I don't know who you are. I'm not going to throw your number out there, but yeah, this defense, you talked about it earlier, Chip, that soft-ass coverage that they've been playing, a little passive, a little weak, in my opinion. They got to get that buttoned up because Kalani Sataki, they're going to try to exploit that thing all Saturday long with those crossing and slant routes that Houston did all day long this past Saturday. Kalani Sataki, former teammate of Steve Sarkeesian. The homie. Trey, how you doing, my man? I'm doing all right. How's the last two hours been, guys? Been fun, fun filled, action packed. <laughs> little Chris Hummer, little Hank South, and you know Zay picking the Suns over the Celtics with no regard to defense or coaching. <laughs> that's okay. Because I'm with him. I hope he's right. Now, here's the real question. I got the Phillies tonight. Who else? Who's with me? I'm with you. All right. I just like the Phillies more, man. They got more star power. You know, Bryce Harper, Schorber, all those guys. Trey Turner. I love Trey Turner, man. He plays like how a brother would play on the field. The way he'd be sliding all smooth. and Yeah, I like that dude a lot. So, yeah, I'd rather see the star power than these feisty, scrappy diamond bats playing against the Rangers. I know you're a Rangers fan, Trey. Who would you rather see in the World Series? I'm a masochist, so I'd rather see Philly. But I think Arizona's going to win tonight. Ooh. Why? You like the pitching matchup? 
I just think that everybody has doubted the D-backs throughout this series, especially after they went down 2-0. Like, ever since then, it's like they win a game to uh, make it 2-1 in Arizona, and everyone's like, ah, Philly's still going to win in five. And they just keep finding ways to chip chip away, and they've put themselves in position to actually steal this series now, so I think it happens. Ooh. I have no no good sports logic behind it other than going <laughs> against the grain of everybody else. I love but it. I also don't follow baseball closely either, so there you have it. There you have it. Yo, I know you hate basketball, well, the NBA at least. Who's winning the finals this year? <laughs> hmm. Uh who's winning the finals this year? Okay, so you said Phoenix over Boston. Is Kevin Durant on the Suns now? Is that what the deal is? Yes. Durant, Booker, Bradley Beals now there. Okay. Really good big three. Yeah. yeah, yeah sure. That's not fun. <laughs> Yo, Trim, I don't think Trey's watched NBA for real. Since the Mavericks got hosed in 06 against the Miami Heat. I think ever since then. The funny thing is I used to be the basketball guy at the zone. Like I had a weekend basketball show uh, and I was the guy that everybody turned to regarding NBA knowledge. I had way too much brain space committed to that. And after that series happened, I said, nope, I'm done. This sport is fucking bullshit. And it's I'm not going to waste another second of my time on it. Oh man! Shout out to Tim Donahue, man. And all those guys, great people. He's hey, great people. Do the Nuggets have everybody back? No, no. They uh, Bruce Brown, which was one of their brightest spots last year, coming off the bench. He is now in Indiana, so they're going to rely a lot on. Former Kansas Jayhawk Christian Brown, who has his name spelled like the A-U-N. I don't know what yeah. ethnicity he is, but yeah, it's spelled weird like Braun. And then they drafted Strother from um, Gonzaga. Remember him when they came down to the Moody Center, Julian Strother? And he's had a good preseason. So they think that those two could fill that void that Bruce Brown did I don't know. Bruce Brown was really good. But as far as their main guys, Aaron Gordon, Joker, Jamal Murray, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., they got all those guys. They're big four. They'll be back. But it's so hard to repeat, man. Hey, hey Zay, amongst the Shaka Smart era Longhorns, who is the most productive guy in the NBA right now? Clearly not Kai Jones, unless we're talking about social media activity. I don't know what Greg Brown is up to. Isn't Jared Allen out for the year now, or he's out through the rest of the 2023 calendar year? I didn't see that about Jared Allen. I got to look that I mean, Jared Allen is the answer, right? Yeah. Now or over the course of their NBA career? Oh. You're drafting Shaka Smart Era Longhorns right now. Who are you going with first? Yeah. Interesting. Who? Greg Brown is a Dallas Maverick, according to CB. Yeah, he got a two-way deal, so he'll be back and forth with the G League, which is good for him, man. He needs to develop more. I mean, he's super athletic, but he still has some of that 
immaturity that's pretty toxic and no nonsense type stuff when it comes to the NBA. So if he can knock that off and focus on basketball instead of everything that comes with it, like Kai Jones doing. (laughs) Mo Bamba, maybe to a lesser degree. I mean, it's weird how that, uh, that is a common trend among Shaka guys. Yeah. How's Jackson Hayes doing with the Lakers? Should have a good season coming off the bench, backing up Anthony Davis. What up? Yo, 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 yo. Um, best Shaka smart guy. Man, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, who, who's the redhead who had the frizzy hair look like Bozo? Matt? Something? Matt, He's Matt, not an yeah. guy. Wasn't he? He, yeah, was yeah. Of, he was part of the Barnes era. That was Barnes era. Barnes era? Yeah, well, college basketball <laughs> all blends together to me, to be honest. So there you go. Mo Bamba, what's he doing, Zay? Oh, gosh. I think he's with Philly. But, yeah, he's hanging on. I mean, the dude's 7'3 and can move, so he should always have a spot in the NBA somewhere. Hitting threes at a 25% clip. But, man, it looks crazy when he actually hits one of those threes. So let's let him keep on on taking him, though, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Keep on taking him, baby. I'm with that. I'm with that, but. Right. Y'all have a good show, Chip. I'll see you tomorrow, man. Y'all be cool. All right, fellas. Hello. God damn it. Great job, there guys. Balloons. 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 Balloons.